0: hospitalities, it's something that we should be very proud of and, and it's a it should be career based. We should be holding on to our staff for for a long time. Uh, it should be in the lines of being a doctor, a lawyer. It should be uh, it needs to be taken seriously.
1: This week on Dirty Linen we are thinking about the future. We're not just thinking about tomorrow, the next day, the next week. We're not really even thinking about what's going to happen when stage four is finally over. We are looking beyond all that to the hospitality industry in 2021 and beyond. For those who are gonna be there, and I hope it's all of you, (laughs) there's no one better to chat to about about the vision of the future than Joseph Baggetto. Joe is one of Melbourne's best known and best loved chefs, uh, and a, a proud Sicilian, but such an innovator when it comes not only to cuisine, but also the many different businesses that he's launched in the past six months. I feel like I've intersected with Joe's food and vision in so many different ways. I've made confit duck. He sent me the ingredients. I've eaten exceptional filled pasta. I've watched him on social media, driving around in a mini. Uh, He's really just done everything. Um, So Joe, thank you so much for coming to have a chat to Dirty Linen today.
0: Absolute pleasure, Danny. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Joe, you, uh, you're you so deeply embedded in the world of hospitality and in the Melbourne restaurant world. And I know that it's uh, something that you're so passionate about um, and that you've really got a vision for how things can improve. So do you want to tell me about let's talk about that let's let's talk about some of those big questions um and first of all let's start with the place of hospitality in our society how do we think about hospitality how is it viewed and how could it be different
0: absolutely um i think i get my hospitality from uh, from my mom so i remember watching her when you know visitors would come come to our home and she would be very anxious you know you visited visit they're coming they're coming so she'd make sure that the house was clean the you know all the doilies were all you know appropriately set the glasses the out you know the the little drinks and things like that and we would welcome like our the visitors that we used to come over to our house and I used to watch that I think subconsciously I absorbed a lot of that 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 you know when people come to your house you want to not to impress them but f- make them feel feel welcome and generous so um, hospitality is I for me is is not just a word it's something that uh, I live I always want to be very generous and and uh, and fulfilling to people that come to the restaurant um, and it's one of these things that I just i don't take I don't take lightly I've been involved in in uh, in restaurants or as an apprentice and uh, living in this world for now for you know over 26 years and for me it's not just a job I don't wake up and go oh you know I have to go to my job it's it's a lifestyle and 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 I don't say that uh lightly it is I wake up what, how, can I do, how can I do things better? What can I do things in the future? You know, what are the trends? What are the things that, uh, that I can always um, uh, make better? And I think with the COVID and the lockdowns and a lot of these uh, things that have been quite depressing, I've just said to myself, okay, let's make a depressing state into something a little bit more lighthearted and and better um, and try to have a restaurant experience at home. So uh, I, I try to do as much as I can in the restaurant, package it up and send it off to, uh, in a little mini, as you said before, home so, they can, so people can have, our guests can have a, an ex- a restaurant experience at home and not having to, uh, you know, chop, and do all the, the the back end stuff of a lot of this you know like the cooking and just have a, 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 an experience with like the risotto pronto for example it takes 6 minutes to make
1: so i guess what i what i'm hearing from you is you're saying like you you're taking the the experience of hospitality you, is something that you take very seriously. Like the art of looking after people is something you take very seriously. But do you think that the the, the Australian community more broadly takes hospitality seriously?
0: Um, no, they don't. They just see it as a as a secondary. I think and uh, something that's is secondary. Um, hospitality is 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 very very important. It, it gives um, everyone an understanding of every it's a bit like home economics that like we used to do I think in year seven or grade six I think home economics how to how to how to make things how to you know think on your feet how to think quickly how to do things efficiently um, and hospitality needs to come to the forefront where we actually accept it as it's it's a career uh, I know in Europe uh, they look at it as a whether a cooking career or a kitchen career or a front- of- house career. Um, and something now with all these new laws and legislations and, uh, and payroll structures and things like that, we need to make sure that we do these things um, very, very appropriately because uh, we can get in a lot of trouble. Um, and hospitality is not just a job. It's, uh, it takes into account people's feelings. So when people walk through the door, how they feel and you know sometimes have had a bad day and how we can have our guests click out of that and have a and and start having a a better time
1: well i think it's that it's that balance you know as you say of of, you know the art of how to treat people how to make someone's mood change but then there's also the real the practical stuff like the stuff where you have to be a bit more hard-nosed you got to get friendly with a spreadsheet uh you got to be more professional and and i I feel like you're saying you want there to be more of a structure around that side of the hospitality industry. Is, is that right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's sad that I had this conversation yesterday with a, with a couple of the chefs in the kitchen, and I said it's sad that um, from an, uh, the formal apprenticeship is not really taken, it's not really not really done anymore. It's like I remember going I had, I had to do four years uh, apprenticeship. Learning kitchen basics, you know how to mop the floor, how to how to do how to do kitchen basics, and now a chef can finish their uh, apprenticeship, and in two years they're a head chef. Um, but no one's taught them how to how to uh, how to how to understand food costs. And I said to them, food costs are not ri- not written in the kitchen; they're written in the office, for example, upstairs. So when you write a menu, you write your food costs immediately. So there's no use um, taking things that are out of season. That's going to cost you a lot of money, and putting it on your menu. It's going to give you a high food cost, labour costs. Um, uh, it's 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 a balance between efficiency. It's a balance between how to lay out your kitchen correctly. Um, there's been a lot of uh, design faults. You know, uh, for example, design is just draw up a kitchen and they say, okay, there's your kitchen. Then the chef comes in and goes, well, the sink should have been closer to the cool room, the cool room should have been here, that and that. And within a few kind of uh, line drawings, you can, you can manage or reduce your labour costs uh, instead of having three or four people in the kitchen, you can have two people in the kitchen because you've got you know, less, less walking distances. You become more efficient and effective.
1: It's, it's funny that you say that uh that thing about mopping the floor because at the moment, because I'm doing the Attica suit project, I'm in the kitchen at Attica every week and I tell you there is so many basic things about how a professional kitchen works that are, have been an absolute mystery to me and that includes cleaning the floor, that includes the actual proper technique for wiping a bench so that you, it, it's, I'm asking the dumbest questions like, um you know, uh, like what do I do with this water that's on the bench, you know? It's like I, it, just the most basic things that I, I, and I feel like, yeah, if I just was, um, it, thrown into you know my um, putting my creative genius to work and coming up with crazy dishes and you know it's like I suppose a lot of chefs want to skip or not that they want to but I suppose the kitchen culture and the fact of people getting promoted really quickly because perhaps there are just so many restaurants a lot of people do skip those basics and maybe it's maybe you know it's not obviously it's not just about wiping a bench but perhaps we're also talking about you know making pasta dough or filleting a fish properly or breaking down breaking down some meat so I guess it's all those basics that a lot of the people that have, you know, come up through the ranks like yourself lament are not mm-hmm. necessarily present in, in young chefs today.
0: That's right. And I call them the one percenters. So it's all the one percenters. It's the, the wiping of the bench. It's cleaning of the floor. It's how to how to appropriately uh, maintain your dry store that you can have, understand your power levels uh, effective ordering system, uh, an affecting ordering system. So you just walk into your dry store and you go, okay, I've got three, three rice, it's this, such and such. I look at my sheet, I need a par level of this. It's uh, April, so it's, for example, low season, so par levels are three. So all these things are, 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 are just organisational skills that are not passed on to um, uh, chefs anymore. They're not passed on to front-of-house ho- front um, for example, your, your beverage cool room or your beverage beverage stock takes and things like that, and these are these are things that over a period of time or a period of a year can cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. And if you could then reinvest that money back into your business, you know, a new uh, something new or inventive or or, or, or um, reskilling your, some of your staff or, or sending them to uh, a, a course, or and reinvesting into your staff, things become more effective, and that's where I think that's where we're that's where we're losing it. There's just there's just far too many places. There's far too many food operations that are you know the restaurant versus restaurant. You know, they they're competitive, but there's a lot of other places where it's another food outlet, and 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 there's just not enough skilled. Uh, properly skilled uh chefs or front of house managers out there um to to comply or to supply the the amount of uh food operations that we have pro- properly
1: i i feel like um i mean there's so many thoughts going through my mind one is that some people are saying we're going to lose 30 to 40% of restaurants which is obviously going to change the landscape entirely it's a tragedy for each business that fails um yeah, really uh, largely due to circumstances that are beyond all our control. Um, but another thing that goes through my mind is that it's all, it's one thing to complain about the lack of skill um, and experience or attention to those particular details or knowledge that, you know, knowledge that there is even that detail to worry about. But it feels like if there isn't a culture in Australia that um, supports uh, the hospitality as a a profession and values the people that go into it where it's not just this thing you do while something else is while you're studying for something else it's going to be really hard to allow people or you know give people that sense of pride in choosing that as a career and and when you when you don't have a sense of pride then you're not going to invest as much in it personally and I guess Customers aren't going to invest in it by paying a decent price for those hospitality experiences. So, what do we do about that, Joe?
0: Um, it's, that's that's a great question. So, I've listened to some experts saying, you know, what's projected jobs, uh, jobs or career paths in the next uh, in the next few years? So, they've said carpenters. Carpenters are always going to be uh, um, always going to be needed. I think that. The appropriate way is that we need a proper university, uh, or university, or somewhere where people can go to say, "I want to be a chef or a kitchen manager. I want to be a a front of house manager." So they go once they finish high school, they then go to a university or a a it's a tertiary it's a tertiary degree where where then it's split into two. Say, okay, I want to be a kitchen manager. So you're a chef. Yeah, you can be a wizard or, you know, a genius in the sense of, you know, coming up with these crazy dishes, but you need to learn how to run the kitchen from the back end as well. You need to understand payroll. You need to... And legislation and the payroll the payroll structure in Victoria is is just crazy. Like even the guys I think that have actually make the law don't even understand it as well. I've got two bookkeepers and also uh, our, our, our payroll manager, if you want to co- call it that, and we make sure that we go through it for a fine-tooth comb. And, and, and the, the way how it is all structured after 8 o'clock, there's this, there's loading, there's that, anyone can get into some strife. That's the, that's the problem as well. And then you've got, for example, a chef or a restaurant manager that are, that are thrown into this, into this uh, position uh, they wouldn't have any any idea. And then they say, Oh, can you come and can you can you work, for example, on a Sunday between twelve and twelve and four? Yeah, great. But this person thinks they're just being paid normally. But no, the Sunday, there's Sunday rates and then there's loading, and then is it state law, is it is it federal law, is it it's just nuts. So if we don't understand that proper duty of care on how to properly pay our staff, how to properly pay our creditors. And I think uh, the biggest one as well is that we pay our creditors like how we pay uh, David Jones or Maya, or you go to Coles and you have it, and there's no more kind of credit, ter- uh, credit terms anymore. It's just basically pay as you go. So, for example, if 20 kilos of meat arrive today, you have a credit card or credit balance, and then you pay it immediately. So, the, the, art- the artesian producer, f- for example, has that money straight away, so then they can pay their suppliers.
1: So is that something that you've chosen to do? That you've chosen to let go of those those credit line those lines of credit with the suppliers, and you've chosen to pay them on the spot?
0: Absolutely. There's um uh, there's a well there's a, a, a several that we just pay immediately on credit card. Um. So then we know where we're at. Uh, we're reducing all our creditors. We're you know it's, it's I think it's been far too long. where you. you there's a lot of um, hospitality, hospitality, or we say restaurants or, or catering facilities that are just living on other people's purse strings. So, for example, they've got six months um, that they owe a, a meat supply. How is that person going to survive? Um, I think we just have to have whether the credit terms are three days or four days or something. But you need to pay them. You need to pay them immediately. Um, that's another thing uh, there's just a lot of we just need to make sure that there's a lot of changes and, and changes in in positive ways where that little grower for example you know uh, the little grower down the road can get their money immediately so they they can they can survive as well and um, and and laws as well there's you know for example yeah you can sign a director's guarantee and things like that but again there's there's means and ways, and I've seen that people can get can get out of it and they can just walk away from hundreds of thousands of debt and and uh, small producers are just left hanging
1: it's it, it's interesting because, Joe, you obviously feel really connected to those small producers. I think that's really reflected in the way you use ingredients at your restaurants. And I, and I think now I haven't even mentioned your restaurant. So, Mr. Bianco in Q and Massey in the city, which unfortunately has been closed since the March shutdown. Um, but it's, I mean, perhaps we should spend a moment and talk about the city and where you think the, the fate of the CBD uh, lies.
0: That's that's a great question because the information that I'm that I that I get I have conversations with you know uh, a lot of a lot of people in the city not just in, in restaurants but a restaurant is I think a byproduct of uh, income that someone um, th- that someone makes so for example there's uh, offices and buildings that uh, you know carry three four five thousand people. Uh, I give you an example. ANZ uh, have three and a half thousand people there at their docklands. Um, a, a quick survey of uh, of this of the of the employee said, "Would you like to stay home or would you like to come back?" A resounding seventy two percent said, "Hey, we'd like to all stay home." So now there are large corporations thinking about reducing their size of their office footprint, and then then basically not not going not going back and. People are now becoming more efficient, staying at home. Uh, they don't have to go to their meetings any longer, in the sense of having to travel to their meetings. There's their Zoom Zoom video conferences. They can schedule one at, at, at every half hour, and people say to me, "We've just become really effective and efficient. The only thing that we've uh, lost out on is that kind of banter, that office banter that we might have, you know, um, kind of ideas and so on that we, we're not we're not getting." So. I think the city will slowly, and this is going to take a long, a long time, but it will just become all that office space will have to then change to apartment, apartments, or some, or something else where uh, people can kind of live and live in the city. But office spaces are going to, uh, res, uh, you know, reduce dramatically. Um, for example, Massey, uh, being in the city in the in the legal district, all was was basically lunchtime was chock a block full but it was all from the legal the legal areas the accountants the lawyers the uh, the doctors all the area of that but they're not going back anymore they' they're, they're doing video conferencing from home they're having a, they're scheduling meetings and if they have to go to court they're just obviously making meetings and going into court for that period of time and and going back home um,
1: yeah. It's really it's really hard to see how the city is going to climb out of that one because, I mean, as much as, the yeah, the courts will be active but it's all those ancillary um, staff and the meetings and that city life. I, I mean, what do you think, are you, what are you going to do with Massey? Because it just seems, I mean, even people who, if people come more to the city to live, it's not like they're going to be going out for a nice lunch every day.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's, and I had this conversation again yesterday um, a lot of restaurants, I think, in the city or restaurants or bars, I don't think the decision is going to be made by the, the restaurant owner or the bar owner. I think the city or the, the, the actual the city is going to make the decision for them. Um, gone are the days where uh, it's going to take a very long time and also the narrative as well. I think coming out of stage four, going into stage three, you know the 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 rumours I hear. You know, by the first of December we'll be back into kind of stage two. Christmas Day will be the day that we're going to have like 50 people allowed in into in in a restaurant. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to hold out till then. Um, you know, Marcy for me, it's not closed. It's it's open. Um, but how can you sustain a restaurant? You know, bleeding payroll. Uh, having staff inactive, and your staff are going to be kind of bored and feel uh, you know, not have job satisfaction, you know And I'm very lucky to have a restaurant I think in queue at Mr. Bianco that we've done a lot of like, some really, really lovely things and that, that's come about through a really strong um, s- you know, staff that are active and they they, wanna, they want to do things. And um, in the city, it's this, the city, you know, the premier saying, you know, don't go into public transport, don't go into the city if you don't have to. If you are, you know, you'll be fined, and it's just people are scared now as well.
1: Well. Wow. Yeah, I mean, definitely the the, the language is around um, not gathering and that's definitely not going to change. As much as um, restaurants might be open, of course, it's about confidence, but it, the, there's no difference now than there was in March. It's like we've still got to put the health response first. So it's just how can that be negotiated in such a way that keeps everybody safe but also gives businesses a fighting chance? And I think CBD businesses are the ones that I really Fear for the most and Massey when I think about Massey it is such a beautiful restaurant it's just like it's a it's a small place it's so cozy you've got those beautiful timber bonquettes you've got it's just got such so much atmosphere and it's such a but it's it is not a place that it's not not like there's retail around there it's um it's not like there's that that much residential it's definitely a a place you know a place for people to go for a business lunch and it it's not just um it's yeah it's it there's a whole culture and a whole style of food and menus around those lunches and around those after work snacks and i just feel really sad about thinking about the quiet restaurant but also thinking about that um uh that cr- the creativity that people put into those kinds of experiences that uh you know if the customers aren't there then the creativity um that uh yeah that goes along with it isn't there either and that that's that's really sad um, Joe, you've been doing so much, throwing so much energy. I feel like every time I look at your Instagram, you started another sideline. It's, it's incredibly impressive. But I know that at the same time, you've got a, um, a health situation that must pose extremely um, confronting challenges at times. So and you've got multiple sclerosis. Can you talk about that and um, what it's like for you to be in such a stressful situation while also dealing with a, a major health situation?
0: Um- I've been very lucky that I've got some uh, some great doctors and and some great nurses that uh, at, at Melbourne uh, Melbourne Private, uh, especially St- Stephanie that uh, looks after me. She's such a beautiful person and has a really high, I call it moral moral compass. And we have conversations every time I have to have infusions and so on. But stress and heat are the worst the worst things for multiple sclerosis and and um, and for me, it, yeah, it has, it has flared up a lot. Uh, you know, I've kind of sometimes uh, non. my hand is a little bit, you know, um, what, what's the word? Um, I can't use it or my, my right leg, I lose my balance, I hit my head everywhere and oh, it's just a pain in the ass to be honest with you. Um, but it's one of these things where I, I didn't even know I had I'd, I was riding my bike to to Sorrento. There, I got got on the bike. I left home. Uh, it was six years ago on the first public holiday on that Friday of um, of um, uh, Grand Final week, and I was just riding my bike. Um, someone didn't want to didn't want to give way to their right. They ran me down. I was on the I, I was on the ground. I was very very lucky to. to to be alive, to be honest with you, broken ribs, you name it, da da da. I was taken to Frankston Hospital. All the doctors were didn't want to didn't want to release me because they saw some shadowing in my in my vertebrae and in, and some lesions or a lesion in my in my in in my head or in the brain. Which I I said to them, wow. I said to my I said to them, Are you sure there's a brain there? Firstly, check if there is a brain, but then. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but they yeah they said that I had a brain so all right, I, let's move on from that I, and they and then they and then I went to see my specialist and whatever and then I was um, diagnosed with MS I went wow oh, okay I thought I got hit by a car but I was very lucky that I survived firstly the car and then 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 having to do it. but um it's been let's say it's it's been tough but um, I may have I don't know o- OCD or something that I'm always trying trying to do new things, trying to keep things active. Um, I always I, I don't know I'm, I always think of other people first. I try to be you know very generous in everything that I that I do. I don't want to let people down. So I think it's just that it's that thing. It's just that thing. I just don't want to let people down. So. Um, it's one of these things that, yeah, I've got it, but I don't want, you know, uh, that kind of sympathy or, you know, you know, Joey's got, you know, it's, it's something that I use it as a, as, as a, I propel myself as, in the sense of, all right, I've got that, but i got to be better than it I've mm. got, I've, I've got to do this. We've got to get through this lockdown. Um, and I just want to have some fun as well. And that's the biggest one as well. It's a lot of the stuff that, that, that I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing it to have a little bit of fun, to, to be creative. I don't want it to be too serious. I've had some of these ideas for a very, very long time, like this Risotto Pronto I did like 21 years ago. I remember uh, doing the, uh, the, the design for it, and I didn't have any money. And the lady that designed the first Risotto Pronto you know, asked me, I think it was like $500 for the design. I went, oh no, I don't have that and I remember paying her and I had the design and then I got and I never used it and I oh, nice. the other who was it a, yeah and then uh, I was going through some of my books and um and this this design the piece of paper that c- fell out of the book and I went shit that's the um the risotto bronto design and that's when I thought come on Joe let's let's do it wow so it took a few. It took a few um, tests and making sure. You know, eight minutes cook the rice on the flat tray. Bang in the kuru. Uh, bang in the chiller. Chill it right down. What are the grammages? What's the gram? What's the meals of the of the stock? How my, How many grams of the the risotto? Then I put the thing together. I gave it gave it to a few people. Uh, please try it. They tried it. Said it worked. I said oh, okay, great. It works. So then uh i put it up online people have people uh been taking it and you know thank thank you uh to the age and jemima and yourself and everyone that's promoted it or they rev- they uh, reviewed it on uh, in good food and it's just gone crazy uh, oh that's once so good these well, cu- last part uh, these last couple of days have been up to my eyeballs in in rice so <laughs> oh
1: good um,
0: it's given everyone it's given everyone a real um, uh, 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 what's what's the word like? They've been really happy on and how like a lot of the staff. I've I've put on some extra people, extra staff members in the kitchen. You know, people that were on um, uh, that were on, vi- on visas that weren't getting any support from the government. I've employed some some uh, some new sh- some new chefs that were obviously on the, on the visas, and it's given everyone this boost, and so on uh, supplies as well. It's helped. Uh, it's helped everyone.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Jo. It's such a, it's so good, Joe. Like even in the depths of stage four, you've come up with a, a yet another idea and um, it's been so successful. So it's really, it. I think the, what i what I noticed through everything that you do is such a love for the hospitality industry as a whole and such belief in uh, the place that it should have in our Australian culture. Yeah. Um, and yeah and also and especially in Melbourne I think you know that it's you're such a Melbourne person and uh yeah you bring so much to our city so Joe, I just want to say thank you so much for throwing all your energy at all these different projects and um every time anyone sees what you're up to that's it's a it's a burst of positivity in definitely trying circumstances so uh yeah Let's. Uh, I love to. I love to watch you continuing to build the hospitality industry that you want to see around you.
0: There's a few. There's a few more things uh, upcoming. But all I want to say is that hospitality is not. Not a. It's not a transient. It's not. It's something that we should be very proud of. And and it's a. It should be career based. We should be holding on to our staff. We should be holding on to our staff for, for a long time. Uh, it should be in the lines of being a doctor, a lawyer. It should be. It's something that we need to be. Uh, it needs to be taken seriously. We need to have a voice as well, um, whether it be a union voice or a lobby group or something like that. We need to. We need to have, not just for employers. It's for. It's for everyone, um, and we need to have the right spokesperson as well. So, uh, I'm not saying it's going to be me. Um, you know, as I said to you many times, Danny. You know, someone. Someone like you know. I think Ben or Dan Dan Hunter there in Braith you know just they they love what they do and uh, and and they just they they just they just good people at the end of the day as well and I think you know um, all of us that are, are in hospitality at the moment or running running a restaurant we're all in in difficult situations um but if we if we can all just you know kind of stick together and just keep our egos at the door and do and do things for the right reasons and for the right intentions, I think uh, hospitality in the future is going to be a really really good place
1: mm, great well i can 't wait to eat in those restaurants <laughs> run uh with that beautiful spirit thank you so much for having a chat today joe
0: because they can't go overseas anyway now so <laughs> that's it they can't go overseas so they, ha- they- we're stuck we'll
1: enjoy our beautiful australian <laughs> restaurants thanks so much for having a chat today
0: grazie danny my pleasure
1: this is dirty linen and i'm danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at dirtylinenpodcast Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This
0: is a Deep in the Wheats production.